Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. But Pastor Dave's asked me uh, to start this series off about relationships. And, you know, it's very, I'm going to pull out my glasses here. It's very important for us, uh, you know, to start with the, the, the most important relationship that there is. And that's our relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Well, let's pray and we're, we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray for this message. Pray for the word that's going to come. Lord, let it speak to somebody's heart today. Just let it come alive right now in the name of Jesus. Let your word just just spring forth life, Lord, as we receive it. Lord, as the Holy Spirit comes and breathes on it, make it just applicable to everything in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So relationships are at the heart of everyone's existence. Every single one of us get here through some type of relationship. Some good relationships, some bad relationships, some that um, could be defined in a lot of different ways, but the reality is we all get here through a relationship, right? Some one-night stands, some great love affairs, some, you know, they were... Kids that loved each other their whole lives and they grew up and they saved themselves for marriage and then they got married and they had children. And so all of us come from different backgrounds, different situations, but the reality is that we all come from some type of relationship. And people don't really give relationships enough focus. And actually, this is a, I'm really excited about being able to talk to you about it because this is a big part of mine and Kim's testimony about how we raised our kids, about the focus of our lives. You know, it's a little bit easier for me because I'm more of a relational person, and some people are not. I mean, I'm, I'm the type of person that, hey, you can call me anytime, we can get together, we can go do stuff. We, I'm, I'm the person that, you know, that's really focused on relationships. Kim's very shy, so we're like opposites. Right? She loves relationships, but she's like, you know, in her zone, right? Her, her very personal, you got to get to know her, you got to sit down. I mean, she's not just going to come up and start talking to you. If you expect Kim to come up and just start talking to you, you're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> we all are geared differently. And in the relationships, this is interesting, the relationships that we have really shape us. And it starts out, and we don't really have that much control over it. It starts out when we're babies, right? The relationships that we have with our, our mother, our father, our grandmother, our grandparents, they begin to form us and shape us as we grow. And we don't have a lot of control over those. But as we get older, we gain more control over the relationships that we have. And relationships start to drive us whether we realize it or not, whether they're successful relationships or failed relationships. They start to shape us into the people that we're going to be. The success or failure of our relationships directly affect the quality of life we enjoy. 
all of life is about relationships. Do you believe that? That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? All of life is about relationships. Some of you are going, I don't know, where's he going to go with that? Well, let's go back to the beginning. I always go back to the beginning. My kids are like, oh, here we go again. Go back to the beginning, right? The law of first mention. Why did God create us? To have relationship with us, right? Let us make man in our own image. In our own image, let us create him. Male and female, let us create them. God created us for a purpose. And when we realize that, when we realize the purpose that God has created us for, then we can work towards achieving that purpose, work towards achieving what the intended purpose of my existence is. Somebody's talking to me. I love babies. Hi. If you're going to be successful in life, you have to be successful in relationships. And I know there's, and guys have a, typically have a harder time with this. We want to be islands unto ourselves, right? Give me a piece of land. Uh, I mean, I watched this show called Mountain Men. Have you ever seen that show? Or Alaska, The uh, Last Frontier. Man, just put me out on a piece of land somewhere, a dog, my wife, a couple kids, you know, my shotgun, I'm good. Don't need anybody else. That's not true. You can't fulfill your purpose in life hiding away somewhere. You've got to have relationships with other people. You've got to be able to share the gospel with somebody. You've got to be able to share the testimony of your life with somebody. Your wife's already heard it. She knows it. Your kids know it. But there's a whole lost world out there that doesn't know it. They don't know why God created you and what he's done in your life. So we can't be islands unto ourselves. God created us. You know, it's interesting. The Westminster's uh, Catechism. How many people have ever grown up in the Catholic Church or in the, you know, some of the other churches use it? The first question, the Westminster's Catechism, is what is the chief end of man? Right? What is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God. Man, look at you. You, you. you had to learn that, didn't you? You had to learn that at some point. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Does it say that I have to, you know, go do X, Y, Z, and then do A, B, C, and then do this, that, and the other thing to understand the existence of man? No. To glorify God with my existence and enjoy him forever. Does that sound like a relationship? If you enjoy somebody's presence, you enjoy being with them, you enjoy spending time with them, you enjoy communicating with them, you enjoy doing all these other things, that's what we're built for. That's what our exist. I mean, it's wired into us from the beginning of time to be in relationship with God. 
It was so important to him that he sent his only son to die on a cross so that he could fix the broken relationship that got broken back in the Garden of Eden. That was one of the, the reasons that Jesus had to come back, was to restore his, his people back to the Father. It's extremely important. You know, that song that we were singing, it talked about, it didn't, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or anything else. God's not a respecter of persons. Do you know that? He loves every single one of us. It's, it's really interesting how God brings things together. Uh, before Susan asked me about uh, grace, um, right before the service, she asked me about grace. And we sing a song about breathing in your grace. All right? Breathing out your praise. That was my attempt at singing. You can laugh if you want. God orchestrates all these things because he has a message. He has a message for us this morning. He wants to have a relationship with you. But at the heart of who we are, we're built to have relationships with each other. And today, I think I'm going to be speaking up I mean, I speak from what I'm, I'm experienced at, right? I mean, that's the best way to, to talk. And I'm most experienced at relationship with my wife and relationship with my kids and relationship with the students and the people that I've taught over the years. So I'll probably be coming from more of a parental perspective, but to try to make it broad enough for everybody to, to pick up on it, okay? And this is important. It's not about... Um, how much money you have. It's not about how many people know your name, where you went to school, or any of those kinds of things. It's about who has your heart. See, at the, at the center of relationships is this thing that the Bible talks about is your heart. Okay? So who has your heart? In Proverbs, it says, uh, Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And that's New King James. But in NIV it says, um, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You see, the heart is the central figure in the gospel when it talks about governing relationships. And the world, I'm just sorry, I've been out there, I know, I know what, I mean, I grew up in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, I guess in the 70s and 80s, and it was a pretty good time, you know. A lot of, a lot of things happened back then that were not quite as, as dangerous as they are now, so it was a little bit freer to do. <laughs> I mean, we could walk, you know, roam the streets and not lock the doors, and, you know, it was pretty safe, but we could get a lot of mischief, too. And my mom's here to attest to that, I think. <laughs> you know, my mom moved from Iowa down to North Carolina, so now whenever I preach, all my stories have to be accurate. <laughs> and, and the bad thing is sometimes I reveal stuff that I haven't told her yet. <laughs> She's like, you didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me that that hole in the wall came from you. If we are to keep our hearts with all diligence, we are supposed to protect that central um, controlling organism in our life. 
Now, obviously, we're not talking about the heart that pumps the blood, right? We're talking about the aspect of who we are. It's like our, our mind, our will, our emotions, the things that, that control our drives, our, our destiny, our purpose, who we are as a person. You're supposed to guard that thing with all diligence. So if we have time, I, I brought a little book that I'm going to read at the end if I, if I can end on time. And it really illustrates something that I've tried to instill into my kids' lives. If you can, you can ask any of my kids, Ethan's back there, Devin's right here, I am more concerned about one thing more than any other thing as a parent, and that's your, your heart. Devin's smiling because he knows where I'm going. I am, I am interested in your heart because your heart governs your behavior. You know, Jesus said that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. But I've also found it to be true that out of the abundance of your heart, you behave a certain way. Whatever's inside here. So before my kids can ever come to me, and, you know, um, I'll just let you in a little parenting. This is like a kind of a sidebar, I like going on sidebars. But as a parent, when the kids are young, it's obey without question. When they're little, you need to obey. If you don't obey, you get a spanking, right? If you don't obey, then you get your toys taken away. You get to obey. Different forms of, you know, of parenting. Then as they get a little bit older, I say obey and then ask why. But don't ask why before you obey. Obey first, and then you have earned the right to ask why. Because as kids get older, they need to understand why they're doing the things that they do, right? And I use that as, as training and teaching opportunities. And then as they get a little bit older, like, like Ethan's age, Devin's age, Lauren's age, I tell him something to do, and he's like, hey, Dad, can I do that? you know, later, because I need to do this and do that. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. Then I'm not so, so much concerned about obedience right now. It's just if they get it done, <laughs> right? Because as they get older, they need some room to manage and govern their own life. But at some point, they better, like, I'll give them a time frame. Hey, I need that done by Tuesday or whatever, Okay. But at any point during this developmental process, if they come to me and they say, I'm like, hey, I told you to pick that up and you didn't do it, or I told you to clean your room and you didn't do it, and they're like, well, I just really didn't feel like it, and I, uh, this is why, and I'm like, hey, that's an excuse. I don't like excuses, do I, Devin? That's an excuse. I forgot, and don't tell me you forgot. That's an excuse. You didn't make it a priority. Well, if I forgot, then how can I make it a priority? I just really forgot. I'm like, I don't care. You didn't do it. But if they come to me with a bad attitude, I won't even hear what they have to say. But I just want to say, no. But I go, no. Stop talking. But you just don't ever listen to me. I do listen, but not when you have a bad attitude. Go fix your heart. Go to your room. Pray. Get right with God. Get your heart in the right place. And come back and talk to me. Because there's always a way to appeal to authority, isn't there? Go get your heart right, and then come back and talk to me. Is that true? It used to drive you crazy, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not going to listen to you 
if you got a bad attitude and your heart's not right. I'm shutting it down. Fix it first and then come talk to me. Because the issues of life flow from here. So let's guard our hearts with all diligence. What does that mean? Well, young men, young ladies, that means that you have to be wise. You have to listen. You know, you're, you're, you've been given parents for a reason to protect you, to guide you, to move you in a certain direction, to help you understand how to glorify God with your life by guarding your heart and making sure that somebody hasn't, isn't stealing it or that you're not giving away to the wrong person or the wrong thing. Parents, we've got a job to do. And, and young people in here, don't despise your parents for doing their job. You might not like the way they do it all the time, but they're doing the best they can. And they're doing it so that you can live a life that will glorify God and that you won't be messed up in all the things that the world has to offer. They're trying to help you guard your heart against destructive things, and we end up resenting the people that we love the most. I'm talking about young folks, because I'm still young. Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? We end up rebelling as teenagers. We end up rebelling and turning away from the person that loves us the most, that's given us life, that's brought us into this world, that, you know, to the parents that have cared for us. We turn our hearts to something else. Something else captures it. And then all of a sudden, we don't care about that person or that relationship anymore. We care about the relationship that we've made with a friend or, or whoever over here. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. It amazes me to see this happening all the time. And I love to see so many people in here. I mean, I look, I look back here in the back row, Caroline Stockton, and, and I see, you know, like the 20-somethings, you know, that have, have walked through their teenage years, teenage years and, st- and their heart has been for God the whole time. That they've guarded their heart and they've protected it and they've used godly wisdom and godly counsel to honor God with their lives by guarding their hearts. So who has your heart? There's a, this is the p- profound truth. Whoever has your heart has your life. Think about that for a second. Whoever has your heart has your life. Anybody reminisced for just a moment? (laughs) Thought back to your own life and found that to be true? Who and I I might add to this, whoever or whatever has your heart, has your life. How many times did we disobey? How many times did we go our own way? How many times did we we do something against a person that we were supposed to have a relationship with, a good relationship with, simply because we had given our heart to somebody else or something else. Parents, this, this series that Pastor Dave's going to preach, and I'm just doing an introduction, just starting it out today, is the key 
in raising your kids, in your marriage, in life in general. If you truly apply these principles, there's seven applications. And Pastor, I'm going to review them real quick today, but Pastor Dave's going to be preaching on these. The heart is the key. Whoever has your child's heart has their life. You hear what I'm saying? Whoever has your heart, your, your wife's heart, has her life, men. Whoever has your husband's heart has his life, ladies. Does that make sense? And it's so important that I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on it because we have to get this. We have to not just hear it, but we have to put it into our souls because it is going to govern everything from this. I mean, you're going to see it from this point on. And you're going to go, oh, I see what's going on here. I didn't spend enough time or my wife and I weren't communicating or I haven't shown interest. I'm going to go through these seven applications in a little bit. You're going to see this stuff start to take place. And you're going to see it unfolding in your lives. And you're going to have, you know, have that aha moment, like, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what I should have been doing all along. Why haven't I been doing that? Gosh. Let's check it out. Seven applications. Love, availability, Faith, interest, respect, time, and communication. You'll have to add communication. I put seven and only wrote six <laughs> on your notes. I was, I, was, I was like, man, I should have proofed that before I printed that 150 of them out. So I proofed it, and I was like, oh, darn. <laughs> There's supposed to be a number seven, communication. So love. Okay, big question. What is love? Don't look at the notes. Your own definition, you know, I'm, I'm an old teacher, so I'm going to call on some folks. What is love? What is love? Is it a chemical process in the brain? Uh, what is love? Come on, guys. Uh, don't, be, don't be shy. Huh? A feeling, okay. Commitment. All right. A choice, somebody said choice. Excellent. Didn't we just have that discussion just like two days ago, Devin? Yeah, it's a choice. What else? Sharing yourself. Love, in our notes here, it's unconditional giving of yourself. You know, there's many different expressions of love, but really one meaning. It's giving your heart to somebody and not expecting anything in return. Jesus demonstrated that, obviously, in, in him giving himself up as a sacrifice for us. So that is the ultimate expression of love. To, to give yourself up for somebody else and not expect anything in return. That's love in its, in its purest form. Availability. To be emotionally available as well as present in a relationship. How many people have ever been talking on the phone and you're talking to somebody you really care about and they're going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Or maybe, maybe they're sitting right in front of you, I don't know, watching a basketball game or something. Uh-huh. Honey, you know, I really think that, that, that. uh-huh. <laughs> somebody got it. You're like, oh, man, I'm busted. 
You got to be present. You got to show up in the relationship. It can't be one-sided. Availability. Faith. This is cool. Believing more for someone than they believe for themselves. Believing more for someone than they believe for themselves. That's faith. You've got to have faith in individuals. You've got to have faith that, that they're going to rise up. You know, I couldn't even imagine going through life without my wife. Because I'm a little bit uh, disorganized. See, God knows what he's doing when he brings people together. Because Kim's real organized. <laughs> and she keeps me straight on a lot of things. She don't, she's been trying for 23 years. She hadn't got the job done yet, but she, she does a pretty good job. Of course, raising five kids at the same time. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Faith, believe, I mean, she believes in me. She believes that, I mean, and if I, had, if I didn't have that, to be honest with you if, you, if you look at my background, you look at my past, and you probably wouldn't say that you, I would be up here doing this. I'd be disqualified. I barely graduated high school. Bad grades, bad attitude, bad behavior. When I come back from Iraq, I joined the Army at a young age, um, I came back, from, I went to Iraq and came back. My uncle looked at me and he said, Jamie, I'm really proud of you. And I said, yeah, Uncle Tom, why is that? He said, because I thought you were going to be dead or in jail by the time you were 19. I said, thanks, Uncle Tom. <laughs> thanks for believing in me. You know, at my high school, you know how they have the, the thing, I don't even know what they're called, but, you know, the most likely to whatever. Well, you know, all the... All the arrests and criminals and everything always make the six o'clock news in Iowa, right? So I was, I was literally voted the most likely to make the six o'clock news. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? I didn't think I was that bad. My mom's here, you can ask her. But uh, she's in the back, I think. But having somebody believe in you to, to, to spur you on to greater things. It's, it's an important aspect of, of relationships. Interest. Placing value on what is important to others. This is a really common joke for Kim and I because she's really into like quilting and sewing and, and decorating and stuff. And she always wants to tell me about the new thing that she found on Pinterest. And I'm going, uh-huh. She's like, did you hear that? Uh-huh. Man, listen, you do that. can you build that? Uh-huh. Oh, great, when are you going to do it? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What am I building? <laughs> I, got, I, mean, I got like three or four things I'm supposed to be building. I, I have a clue what she's talking about. <laughs> to be interested in the thing that they're interested in, even though you're really not interested in it. To at least... <laughs> At least give them the common courtesy to listen. But then when I start talking about tiling or plumbing or, you know, start, you know, it, <laughs> her eyes just glass over. She's like, 
And I start talking about, well, you know, when the water flows down the pipe and it passes an open pipe, it creates a positive pressure and a negative. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> Interest. Being interested and in, genuinely interested in what the other person is. Respect. Esta- you know, this is huge. Establishing a person's uh, worth. Establishing their worth. Kim and I, this is, people don't believe me oftentimes, but, you know, Kim and I, we do disagree. We do have arguments, so to speak, you know, um, disagreements. But in 23 years, we've never yelled at each other. We've never, I've never raised my voice to her, and she's never raised her voice to me. Now, she's gone out of the room and shut the door kind of hard. <laughs> and said, you're a jerk. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> in those heated moments, right? But we've never yelled at each other, and we've never been disrespectful to each other. But the, the greatest thing, I think, that, uh, speaking for her, that I can see over our lifetime um, our, of our marriage is when either I or somebody else in the household uh, is not respectful uh, to what's important to the other person or to her. When they feel like you don't value me because you don't respect me. Men... That's huge for men. Ladies, I'm just letting you know. Huge for men is respect. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. That's what drives men's self-worth. Did you know that? You better mark it down. What drives men's self-worth is respect and significance. Two things, really. Respect and significance. If they feel like they are providing for you and the family. If they feel like you respect them, they're going to feel valued. That's for any relationship, but specifically for men. <clears throat> time. The key to unlocking someone's heart is time. If you don't spend the time with them, you're never going to capture their heart. And then lastly, communication. It's the lifeline to every relationship. These seven things, Pastor Dave's going to be going into in greater depth over the next several weeks. But I want to share something uh, that's kind of, it's a, it's a story. It's actually a little book, and I think I've ended en- with enough time to read it. And this is just to illustrate how important, ever since Lauren, my daughter, is 18, ever since she was a little girl, I've been reading her this book, and occasionally I'll break it out and I'll read it for my boys too, because it illustrates something that's key to the, the foundation of what I believe. The heart is at the center of everything. You gotta maintain and capture a young lady's heart, dads. You gotta maintain and capture your wives' hearts. And this is one way that I've done it is to, to illustrate and always look for a teaching opportunity. So it's, it'll take me about eight minutes. I timed it last night, but this is a really, really cute book. And I just wanted to read it to you this morning to illustrate how important this is. And this has to do with, with an aspect of the heart called purity. But it talks about, uh, it's called The Princess's Kiss. How many people ever read that book? Princess's Kiss, you seen that book? Ooh, you guys are in for a treat then. And the kiss represents purity, obviously. But it repre- to me, it represents something greater. And that's the, the gift that God has given her that she, she holds on to. She guards. So check this out. 
Long ago, in a wonderful castle, on a mountain of splendor, a beautiful princess was born. Her parents were the king and queen of the mountain in all of the green valley below. The king and the queen loved the little princess ever before she was born. On the day that she came into the world, the royal couple gave their daughter a very special gift from God, her first kiss. While the princess was growing up, the king and the king queen kept this precious gift safe in their care. When the princess was finally grown, the king and queen called her to their side. We have something uh, very special to give you, the queen said. Up, 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 the royal family went to the secret room in the tower of the castle. On an elegant table in the center of the room was the same gift given to the princess long ago, the kiss. God gave this gift to you on the day that you were born, said the queen, because he loves you so dearly. And now, continued the king, the kiss is yours to keep or to give away as you see fit. The princess stared in amazement. She was never before received such a wonderful present. But use wisdom, my daughter, warning the king, and save your kiss for the man you will marry. Never part with it for the sake of a stranger. The wise little princess took her father's words to heart and kept the kiss safe in the castle tower. But, where, but there were many days when she went to gaze at her pre, uh, precious possession. She wondered how she could ever give it up. Finally, there came a day when suitors began to appear asking for the princess's hand in marriage. The first man who came to the court, her, was Prince Peacock. See my great muscles I have, princess, he said. I will always be able to save you from danger. I can run faster, jump higher than any other prince in the world. I am mighty. Marry me, for I am a man among men. The princess watched Prince Peacock lift heavy boulders and run the length of the castle wall. His strength was impressive, but the wise princess saw that his heart was full of himself. She knew there would be no room for her kiss there. So she sent Prince Peacock away. The next day, Prince Romance came to visit the princess. He brought uh, dozens of roses and box of chocolates. I can take you to many far-off places, princess, he said. I, I will, we will eat the choicest foods. We will see marvelous sights. Marry me, princess. Every day will seem like a honeymoon if you are with me. The princess thought about Prince Romance, uh, what he had said. It, it sounded very interesting and exciting, but the wise princess knew the honeymoons and the wonderful feelings could not last forever, and the prince would soon lose interest in her kiss. The princess turned Prince Romance politely away. On the following morning, Prince Treasure Chest came to call. He, he brought uh, gifts of gold, jewels, and costly silken robes. See the presents I have for you, princess, said the prince, treasure chest. You will never lack for fine clothes. Marry me, princess, for I will give you the best of everything. Indeed, when the princess saw the beautiful things that the prince had uh, brought her, 
She did not doubt that he would buy her anything that her heart desired. But with all these riches, she thought, he does not need my kiss. My kiss will not be special to him. So prince, the princess sent Prince Treasure Chest away too. Many men came one by one to ask for the princess hand in marriage. One by one, she turned them all away. None seemed worthy of her kiss. She began to doubt that she would, could ever find a husband. One night, she spoke with her mother, the queen, about her fears. Mama, the princess said, I will, I will never find a man so special that I will be able to give him my first kiss. The queen smiled, gazed at many, star, the many stars twinkling above in the velvet night. Oh, yes, my dear, I think God will bring a husband to you. But if he does not, the kiss will be yours to treasure forever. The princess took comfort in that thought, for she knew that God could be trusted. And she cherished the kiss with all that she was. The next day, a common man came to the castle. He asked to see the princess. The man was dressed in farmer's clothes and did not look like the suitors who had lately come to call. Strong and handsome, his hands were rough from working in the king's field, and his face was tanned from the sun. Who is he? The servants wondered as he was led through the castle. The man was taken to the royal garden where the princess and her parents were uh, walking among the rose bushes. The farmer bowed humbly, addressed the king and queen. May I speak with your daughter? He asked. The princess's mother and father were surprised. Who is this man? He seemed common, yet kindness was in his manner. Nodding slowly, the king and queen moved aside and stood close by. The man looked to the princess's eyes. I have worked in your father's fields for many years. I prayed and watched and waited for one who could be my wife, yet I found no one. Then one day I saw you walking in the palace uh, lawn. Your beauty was marvelous and your purity sparkled like diamonds. The princess blushed and her heart began to beat wildly. I have little to offer you, princess, the man said softly. I have no gold. I have no means to travel the earth. I am not as strong as many. The farmer stopped and the princess was afraid he would not continue. Then he whispered, but I do have one very special gift I can give you. And he holds up a lantern that's glowing. It's his kiss. This is my first kiss, princess, the man said. God gave this gift to me on the day I was born, and my parents kept it for me until I became a man. I have saved it all of my life for you. Would you be my wife? The king and queen and the princess rejoiced and embraced the humble farmer. Was there any doubt that he was the one that the princess had been waiting for? The princess thought her heart would burst with joy. She said, yes, oh yes, with all my heart. On the day of their wedding, the princess and her husband were dressed in magnificent clothes and stood before the altar in the royal church where all the lords and the ladies of the kingdom had gathered for the celebration. There, with the sun streaming through the windows, they exchanged their kisses and God and all the kingdom sang for happiness. The prince and princess lived happily ever after, 
Soon God gave them a child of their very own, and on the day of their precious baby's birth, the wise prince and princess received for their child a very special gift from God. Love comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. 1 Timothy 1.5. From the time my, my daughter was a little girl and my boys were young, I told them one thing. Guard your heart for all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. If you do that, if you guard your heart and keep it pure, you're not going to have anything to worry about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this word. A profound truth this morning. Whoever has our heart has our life. So let our hearts be captured by you first. And through wisdom and discernment, let us give it to the one that you have uh, chosen for us. One that has done the same, that has surrendered to you. Maybe their past isn't perfect, but you know what? Even God can restore that because my past was not perfect <laughs> by any means. But God restored my purity. God restored my heart so that when I married Kim that I could give something pure away. Lord, so for many of us, there's still that chance. There's still a young child, there's still a young person that has a, a pure heart that we can speak into. But some hearts need to be restored. So I just pray right now, Father, that you begin that res restoration, that restorative work in a person's heart this morning that might be here hearing this message. It's, it's contrary to what the world says. The world says, go out, have a good time, give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. You'll find the right person. Uh, and, and they don't ever talk about the consequence of the damage that comes from it. I'm not talking about legalism or anything else. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about uh, a guarding our hearts as the Bible commands so that we have a, a gift from God that we treasure above suitors, above money, above fame, above anything else. So I just pray for us this morning that your words will ring true in our hearts. 